This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome to week two of what I believe is going to be our best summer as a church as we kick off Summer of Love week two. When you walked in, you should have gotten a program that looks just like this program that I have in my hands. Inside are two things you're going to want to grab. This card that says, start here. This is your connection card. Go ahead and fill that out because we're going to be using it later on this morning. The other thing you're going to want are these teaching notes. They'll give you a little bit to look at. They'll give you some of the scriptures we're working through. They'll give you uh, some things to think about as we go throughout our week together. And I want to say an extra special welcome to you if you are with us today for the very first time. I hope that you are ready because God is ready to meet with you. He wants to encounter you, engage with you, speak into your life. His goal is to love you in such a way that it actually draws you back to him and transforms your life. And if you're a guest today, I want to say welcome. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, If you are a guest, I want to tell you we have a gift for you before you leave today. No strings attached. It's a bag. It's got some really great stuff in it. It's so good that new lifers sometimes are tempted to sin by stealing it at church. That's how good our gift bag is. So get ready because there's some really great stuff in there and it's just for you. Well, this whole summer of love is all about experiencing uh, a deeper level of love, learning how to love in a wide variety of ways, learning how to love God, learning how to love people in a way that transforms lives, transforms our lives, draws us closer to our Creator, transforms the lives of those around us. And we're doing this because someone asked Jesus once, what must I do to experience eternal life, a great life, a life of abundance, a life of fulfillment on earth, and then a life with God in eternity? And Jesus said this, he said, love God with every part of your essence, every part of your being, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and live. And so for the next 11 weeks, we're taking Jesus at his word. We're going to love like never before, and we are trusting that as we do this, we will experience a life like we never have before. And today we're going to talk about feelings, because feelings for many of us are the single biggest motivating factor to whether or not we press into God, press into relationships, or pull away. And Jesus says when we press into him, when we draw close to him, when we press into relationships, we experience life. And so we're calling this sermon, Feeling the Love. We're talking about the feelings that we have because we've all had them before. We've all had times where we have felt love in various forms. Romantic love, if you think back, if you're married now, think back to that first date or when you first fell in love and your stomach was just all in knots and and up in your throat and you were sweating like it was 95 degrees, but it was winter. Uh, That love when you saw her walk down the aisle for the first time and she was the most beautiful creature you'd ever seen. And then uh, when the pastor said, you may kiss your bride and you kissed her and oh my gosh, you wish nobody else was there because you wanted to get to the wedding night. That kind, <laughs> that kind of love. But there's family love, that, that love you feel when you hold your baby for the first time and that little blob just kind of sits there and, and stares at you blankly and you're sure it's smiling, but the doctors tell you it's gas. You know, it, it's that, that, that deep family love. And And there's friendship love. Uh, When 
you have roommates and you just can't wait for them to get home at the end of the day so you can just like talk and you can share life and you stay up till 3 a.m. and you're just, you're pouring your heart out to them as you, you know, as you watch The Bachelorette. It's just, it's a real deep friendship, friendship kind of love. And we've all had those types of feelings. Those are the good feelings, the warm feelings, the feelings that we love about love. But over time, those feelings sometimes can shift, they can change, they can seem fleeting. And instead of that extreme romantic love you have, you have extreme hurt when your spouse says something or does something uh, that just wounds you deeply. Or that family love turns to anger, turns to pain when that little blob grows up and learns how to talk and, and you know, says, I, I hate you, mom. I hate you, dad. I wish I was never born. I'm moving out. I'm running away. And you have this deep pain. Or, or when you've had those roommate conversations till 3 a.m. and you poured your heart out to your roommate and then you find out that they've been sharing your information with other friends and you feel this deep sense of betrayal. And so the feelings come and the feelings go. And when the feelings go, sometimes we assume one of two things. Either uh, it must not have been real love. It wasn't real romantic love. It wasn't real friendship love. My child just didn't love me. I gave birth to you and then you turned on me. Or we assume I have changed or you have changed. It must have been love, you know, but it's, it's over now. It must have been good, but we, we lost it somehow. <laughs> and we think that the good feelings are the ones to press into and the bad feelings, the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the regret, those are the ones we should run from, we should pull from, we should get away from. And then you come to church and guys like me stand up on stage and we say, no, 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 love is not about a feeling. Love is about an action. We need to make love a verb. We need to make love an action. Love is about loving people who are unlovely, who are difficult. We should love regardless of feelings. And what it does is, is it sets us up with two realities. You go home and you've got your real life reality where you want to feel the good feelings and you want to run away from the bad feelings. So you press into the good relationships, the easy relationships, the ones that make you feel good, and you run away from the bad ones. And then you've got your church reality where the pastor says, no, 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 love's not about a feeling. You should just love unconditionally. And you think, well, that makes sense in my head. I like that, but, but I'm not a super Christian, okay? You don't understand my situation. If you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't be telling me to love unconditionally. If you knew the way that he treated me, you wouldn't tell me I have to go back and work on that relationship. And we've got two dichotomies. And the one we hear at church makes sense, but the one we hear at church doesn't change our lives because our feelings are our largest motivating factor towards love. And for years, pastors have said, so just discount your feelings and do what you know you should do. But I want to talk about something a little different today. Because I actually believe that our feelings— both the good feelings that we have, the romantic love, the friendship love, the, the, the stomach up in our chest sort of love, and the bad feelings, the betrayal, the hurt, the pain, the I don't want to be around you anymore, give me a new roommate, give me a new marriage, Lord, give me a new kid, if at all possible. <laughs> and the things that God says, I believe they actually line up together. And I believe that in the church we set up this false dichotomy, this separation of what the Bible says and what we really feel in real life. And I want to clarify that today because we're going to spend 10 weeks this summer talking about love. 
And if we disconnect our feelings around love with what God says around love, we will end up doing the things that feel good and not doing the things that feel hard, and we will not experience the transformational love that God wants us to feel. So here's what I mean. When I say the Bible and our feelings actually line up, I'm going to take us to a Bible verse that I can guarantee, whether it's your first time in church or your hundredth time in church, you've heard this Bible verse. If you've been to a wedding, you've heard this Bible verse. I'm going to say it, and most of you will say, yep, I had that Bible verse at my wedding. I love that Bible verse. That is my Bible verse. It is 1 Corinthians 13. It is kind of the love verse. And it's a guy named Paul writing this, and he's not talking about marriage, although we use it in relationships a lot. He's talking about all those types of love that I was just referring to. Friendship love, romantic love, family love. And he says this. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but love rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, before you tune me out and say, I, it's just more lists, Kevin. I don't want another list of things I have to do in order to love someone. Don't tune me out. Patient, kind, humble, serving, trusting, all those things. Yeah, it's more to do, but I would tell you this. When you experience the kind of love that you want, that feeling love, that emotional love, that love that soars to heights, when you're experiencing that love, you're experiencing it because you already are doing this list. This is not a list of more stuff to do. This is a list of things that Paul says, listen, you're already doing this. Those feelings that you love are pointing you towards this kind of love. Think back to when you were first dating and you had those feelings, those butterflies in your stomach. Guys, you would go to a movie that you would not be caught dead at by yourself because she wanted to go. And so you go and you smile and you have fun. Why? Because love is kind. Love is not self-seeking, according to Paul. And so you go to the movie because you're not self-seeking and because you're kind. And oh my gosh, those, those feelings, they rise up. And ladies, when he got home late from work for the third time that week, you said this, I love how driven my boyfriend is. I love that he was late to pick me up from on our date because he was just so driven to do his job and finish his job. Why? Because you were assuming the best. Paul says love assumes the best. Paul says uh, that love always trusts and love always hopes. And you had those feelings in that situation, not because God had given you a list of things to do, but because love was pointing you towards always trusting, always hoping, always believing the best. When Maria and I first started dating, she had moved out from Wisconsin to California, and she lived about two miles away from me, and we would stay up late just talking, because that's what you do when you're young and in love. You just, you stay up late, and you talk, and you get to be um, later than I would suggest for couples to be staying up and talking, because anything after midnight, you never know what's going to happen. That's all I'm saying. We're not going to go there today. But you young people set a curfew for a reason. But we were up, we were doing good, we were fine. Late night would come, and I would walk her to her car, holding hands, talking to her, looking into her eyes. And the minute she shut the door, I would pull out my cell phone, and I would call her. And I'd say, I'm on the phone with you. 
because I love you. <laughs> and I would walk into my house, and I would talk to her on her five-minute drive, two miles across town. And then she would park at her apartment complex, and she would walk in, and I would talk to her until I heard the door shut and lock. Why? Because Paul says that love always protects. And I'm a guy, and I thought somehow, if something happens to her while she's driving in the middle of the night, God will give me superhuman transporting powers, and I will just be able to get there. So I stayed on the phone, even though I was tired, even though I wanted to play Halo. I just stayed on the phone. Because love always protects. Those feelings that I had were pointing me towards the reality. Not that I had more lists to do, but that I was already loving in a transforming way. That I was loving in a way that was changing me and in a way that was changing her. Because I would say this, feelings, feelings are not good or bad. They're simply signposts that we're experiencing transforming love. And when I say transforming love, I mean this. Transforming love is a love that moves in the direction of someone else for their benefit. When we talk about love this summer, we're talking about transforming love, love that moves in the direction of someone else for their benefit. And I would say when you had those feelings that you love about love, you are already experiencing transforming love, a love that moves in the direction of someone else a friend, a child, a spouse, a coworker for their benefit. But the painful feelings, the ones that none of us like, the ones that we try to stay away from, they're pointing us towards something too. When you feel betrayal by your spouse because of something that they've done, when you feel hurt by a friend or a roommate because of the way that they have treated you or they've gone and talked about you, when when uh, you have anger because your child is being uh, disobedient, screaming at you, yelling at you, it's pointing you towards the fact that there's a break in the relationship that God wants to heal. It's pointing you towards the fact that you love them, and because you love them, God has wired you up for a transforming love, and you feel this hurt, you feel this pain, you feel the separation, not so that you can run away, but so that you can look back and say, are we loving in a transforming way and moving in that direction? Apathy is the same way. Apathy is probably one of the last signs that a relationship is dying. You don't have the high feelings. You don't have the low feelings. You don't have any feelings. Have you ever felt apathy? When you think about certain people groups, when we talk about um, we're going to go serve the poor, do you have apathy there? Apathy is a signpost that we're not loving in transforming ways. When you hear about tsunamis hitting and thousands of people dying, does it just kind of flash across your screen and then go off and we go about our day? Apathy is simply a signpost that we're not loving the way that we need to be loving. It's a signpost that we need to move in the direction of someone else for their benefit because there's a break and God wants us to fix the break. And our culture, our culture will tell us this. And I'm not down on our culture. I live in it. I enjoy certain aspects of it. But our culture tells us this. Chase the good feelings. Run from the bad feelings. We love, we love, we are almost addicted to the good feelings. There's this stimulus in the good feelings. That's why we go to romantic movies that basically have the same storyline over and over and over again. Have you seen uh, the movie uh, Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah. Have you seen the exact same movie uh, with the title, She's Got Mail? 
same actor, same actress, still having emotional affairs on their spouses, and they get together. One takes place in Seattle, one takes place in New York, and we're like, oh my gosh, this movie is incredible. I love it. Now, I'm not getting down on it. The Finkbinders own both Sleepless in Seattle, and She's Got Mail, and we've watched both way too many times. Why? We love the feeling at the end. We chase the feeling. That's why we search for that feeling in our marriages. That's why something inside of us knows our marriage isn't right when we have apathy, pain, hurt, because God has wired us up for a deep, transforming love. But our culture just chases the feeling. It doesn't know how to get to the core of what transforming love looks like. And that's where God comes in. God gets us to the core. This is how you love in transforming ways. This is what, by the way, what will get you the byproduct of the feeling that you want. That's why we chase it in our marriages. That's why so many people go outside of their marriage when they can't find that love in their marriage. That's why singles go to the bar Friday night after Friday night after Friday night, chasing that feeling looking for that feeling, trying to get that feeling. That's why young people feel incomplete when they don't have a special someone in their life because they can't get to that feeling. Our culture thinks the feeling is the answer. And so we chase the feeling. But God would say this, the feeling is just a signpost pointing you to the fact that there's something deep inside of you that longs to love in a transforming way. And until we learn how to love in a transforming way, a love that moves in the direction of other people, Those feelings will come and those feelings will go and our relationships will stay plateaued right where they are and we'll never experience the incredible life-changing love that God wants us to have. Feelings just simply point us towards the reality that we were designed by God for a deep, transforming love. That's what our feelings do. They're not bad. They're not good. They point us to the reality that we were designed, we were created by God for a deeper transforming love. And when we have a break in those feelings, what it's telling us is, man, that love, that deep love is not there right now in me. It's not in this relationship. When I feel distant from God, that feeling is telling me, you know what, there's something in the way that I should be loving God that would draw me closer to him, and I'm, I'm missing it. The Bible says that God is love, that God is love. Love is not something God does. God does not just choose to be loving sometimes and not be loving at other times. God is love in his very nature, in his very essence. God, everything that God does flows out of who he is. And he is love. And here's why that's so important for us to grab hold of as we head into this summer. Because in the very beginning of the Bible, we're told something about ourselves and the people that we are, and the way we are created. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created mankind. That's, that's you and me. God created us in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them to be like him in his image. And his image is love. See, we were created for transforming love because God's core is love. And he created us in his image, and so he created us for a deep, deep love. And that feeling that we have, that feeling that we long for, that feeling that takes us to movies all the time, that feeling that has us searching for love and knowing when something's not quite right in a relationship, it's simply pointing us to the reality that we are not experiencing the fullness 
of the image of God and the way he created us because deep inside of us, he created us for a love that moves in the direction of other people, that loves other people. But it's not just another list of things to do disconnected from our feelings. Our feelings point us to the reality that we are created to love in a certain kind of way. And so this summer, we're going to explore five unique ways to love God. Five languages that God speaks when God loves us, and five ways that we can love God back. And I want to tell you this, because we're going to talk about all five of these. I'm going to lay them out briefly, and then we're going to really get deep into them for the rest of the summer. God uses all five of these languages perfectly. Why? Because he's God, and he's perfect, and so he can. Us, not so much. We don't speak all these languages perfectly. How many of you struggle at foreign languages when you're in school? Raise your hand. Anybody else? Am I the only? Oh, man. I struggled at Spanish in school. I mean bad. I, I was an A's and B's kind of kid with an occasional C in math. When it came to Spanish, at the end of my second year, you had to take two years to be able to get into college. End of my second year, I go to my professor and I say, all right, what was my grade? She said, you got a 69.6. You need a 70 to pass. And I said, please, senora. <laughs> and she said, por favor. Por favor, senora. I need to pass this class. What can I do to pass this class? She said, Kevin, and I quote, if you promise me you will never take a foreign language again, I will pass you. I have never taken a foreign language again. For some of us, speaking some of these languages will feel like a foreign language that we are not good at. And our tendency will be when the feelings are difficult or when we feel apathetic, we feel like, I just can't get into that thing. I just can't get into speaking words of affirmation to God. Worship, really? Not my thing. I don't sing. When we have those feelings, our tendency will be pull away, run away, stand there with my hands in my pockets. But God would say this, let that feeling be a signpost that's pointing you towards the reality that you are not experiencing God's love the way that you could. Worshiping with your hands up is not the only way to worship. Worshiping with your hands up is not a a salvation thing. But expressing our worship to God is about experiencing the love that we have for God inside of us and giving it back to Him. And so for some of us, these love languages will feel really easy and normal and natural. And then other languages will feel like a foreign language, and we're just praying that like uh, Senora Fergoso from my Spanish class, the pastor just tells me, just never do it again, and I'll let you pass. Just never sing again, and I'll let you pass. The worship team says that to me sometimes. Just never sing again. We'll let you, we'll let you pass. Here's what we're going to do this summer. We're just going to let our feelings be indicators. Nothing more, nothing less. Our feelings aren't the ultimate indicator, but they are an indicator. So when we get into a certain topic and you feel excited about that topic, let it be an indicator that that's an area where you love loving God, loving people. If you come into church one Sunday and you hear about a topic and it is less than exciting to you, if you feel apathetic or if you dread that, or if you think, well, maybe I'll just stay in the lobby and drink a little more coffee today, let that be an indicator that there's some sort of break there that God wants to speak into. We're going to talk about giving gifts to God at some point this summer. One of the ways we give gifts to God is financially. If you hear that and that just makes you tighten up a little bit, don't run away. Let it be an indicator that there's something there. 
There's a, a deeper love that God has for you that he wants to draw you into himself. So here are the five love languages, and I want to read them to you and give you a brief descriptor. Uh, and I've given you some scriptures you can look at this week because I said God loves perfectly. Jesus showed us all five of these love languages perfectly. So I've given you all of them just to kind of look at throughout the week. Read some scripture, do a little Bible study, enjoy yourself. Uh, the first one is words of affirmation. Speaking, receiving words from God, speaking words to God, speaking words to people. This is my favorite love languages, which is why we'll be starting with it next Sunday. I love words of affirmation. So get ready. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Feeling all warm inside? Quality time. We're going to explore what it looks like to, to love God through quality time. The reality is God has nothing better to do than spend time with you. And yet, some of us pull away from God. We're going to look at what it looks like to to really love people deeply by giving them our time. And if you're a, a type A personality, a driven person, quality time might feel like a foreign language to you because we have to actually slow down and sit with people and be with people. And we're going to talk about gifts what it looks like to receive gifts from God, to give gifts to God, and to give gifts to other people as a way to love multidimensionally. We're going to talk about service. What it looks like to serve. To both be served by God and to serve God and then to serve other people. Because Jesus was all about service. He even said, the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to serve and experience love through service. And then we're going to talk about physical touch. How can we touch God? What does that look like? How can we touch others in a way that communicates love? How can we use physical touch to to love people more fully, to love God more fully? I'm pretty sure Ron is preaching on physical touch. He is a hugger. He loves it. So get ready. He will probably stand at the door and force you to hug him one by one on the way out. So just get ready. I'm a physical handshake kind of guy. It's a foreign language for me, but I'm learning how to come on in for the real thing. We'll be talking about that this summer. Here's what I want to ask you to do this week. On the bottom of your notes, there's a website. It says love in action, and it says fivelovelanguages.com backslash profile. I'd like every single person this week to get online and take this love language indicator. This will tell you what your primary way of giving and receiving love is. This will tell you how you can be loved better by those closest to you, and it will probably tell you the way that you're most natural at loving other people. So what I'd like us to do this week is I want everyone to take this love does indicator. If you got uh, this fantastic Uh, Summer of Love tracking chart. The website's right there on the bottom. If you did not get one of these, you need to pick one up. This is your tracking chart for the summer to let us know how we're doing at loving this summer. But it's got your chart right there. So I want us to identify our love language. And then what I'd like us to do is figure out the primary love language of those in our inner circle, those closest to you. If you're married, it's going to be your spouse and your kids probably. If you're single, it's going to be your housemates. If you're single and you live alone, it's going to be your coworkers, your close group of friends. Figure out their love language. If they're taking the test, it's easy. You just ask them, what's your love language? If they're not taking the test, you have to do some investigatory work. You have to figure out, how do I think they like to be loved? Because what I'm going to ask you to do next is kind of a big deal. I want every one of us to try to love each person in our inner circle using their primary love language this week. 
my wife is a physical touch kind of person. If I'm sitting on the sofa right here, and we have a sectional sofa that goes all the way around, and you can spread out. If I'm sitting right here watching a movie, she will literally sit down, half on top of me, and half to the side of me. <laughs> she loves touching. The family I grew up in, we had a sofa, we had a big chair, we had a love seat, and we had the floor. Someone was on the sofa, someone was in the chair, someone was on the love seat, someone was on the floor. I like my space. <laughs> I have a feeling this week I'll be doing a little extra cuddling. Why? My wife experiences love by physical touch. I'm a words of affirmation guy. For Christmas, Maria made me a, a card, a, a 31 different cards. Each one is something that she appreciates about me in a way she sees God working in my life. 31 different ones. It is July 1st. I have gone through that list at least three or four different times. I open one up every day. I've read them. I know them, but I love hearing words of affirmation from my wife. It's how I feel loved. And they're sitting there right by my computer. What is your spouse's primary love language, your best friend's primary love language, and how can you love them this week? And finally, if you're here today, and when you think about your relationship with God, there's a break there. There's a block there. Maybe something happened in your life and you blame God for it. Maybe you've just never come to church because of what you experienced as a kid, or maybe you've just never come to church because you've never come in and you feel nothing towards God. I want to tell you today, God could not love you more than he does right now. He loves you with an incredibly deep love. He loves you with a love that stirred him to action, that sent him to earth to wrap himself in flesh. And Jesus Christ died on a cross. He gave his life for you because he loves you to take the penalty for your sins so you could be brought back into a relationship with God. And if you have anything less than a deeply loving relationship with God where you know he is your savior and your creator and that he is living with you and living in you and guiding you, if you have anything less than that type of relationship with God, that's an indicator that you're not experiencing God the way that he created you to. And I want to challenge you to look at that feeling very seriously right now. And if you sense that there's a disconnect or a block between you and God, I'm going to pray in just a second. And I want to give you space to give your life over to God, to recommit your life to God, to engage with God around that block and say, God, I want to come to you. I want to know you. I want to be drawn into your presence the way that you promise in the Bible that you'll draw me in. If you sense God calling you to himself right now and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can repeat it after me. It's a prayer of commitment where you would give your life over to God and invite him to be your savior and your leader. If you sense God calling you to himself, you can pray this prayer with me. So would you join me as we pray together right now? Say, Lord Jesus. You can just whisper it right where you are if you sense God calling you. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I don't know that I even fully feel that right now, but I believe that it is true and I want to enter into a relationship with you. I want to follow you on this journey. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived a perfect life, that you gave me an example to follow, and that you died on a cross paying the penalty for my sin so that I could have a relationship with God, my heavenly Father. Today I say, yes, Lord. Yes, I want this relationship that you're offering. And yes, I want you. So would you come and would you fill me with your spirit? Would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day of my life and into eternity? 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm so excited for you. I'll be praying for you this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.